there's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Monday, December 28, 2020. On this day in 1987, former military officer Ronald Gene Simmons went on a killing spree in Russellville, Arkansas. Inside his home, police discovered Simmons had murdered 14 of his own family members. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this killer's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of violence, sexual abuse, and incest that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we're covering the crimes of Ronald Gene Simmons. Let's go back to Arkansas on December 28, 1987. Morning dew clung to the holiday decorations still strung up on city lampposts. It was just days after Christmas, and many in Russellville, Arkansas, planned their resolutions for the new year. But Ronald Gene Simmons decided to change his life a few days early. On the morning of December 28th, Simmons took his son's car and drove to the closest Walmart. He purchased a handgun, loaded it, and continued to his next destination, Peel, Eddie, and Gibbons Law Firm. There, he found 24-year-old Kathy Kendrick working reception. Simmons knew her as a former co-worker who'd rejected his romantic advances. A surge of anger bubbled inside him as he stared at Kendrick. Without saying a word, he drew his new pistol and fired four shots into her head. Then he left the firm, got back in his car, and continued to his next crime scene. Kendrick was pronounced dead later that day. By that time, Simmons was standing inside Taylor Oil Company, the workplace of his former boss, Russell Taylor. He shot Taylor in the chest twice. When Jim Chaffin, a part-time employee, tried to intervene, Simmons shot him through the eye. Taylor managed to survive, but Chaffin was killed instantly. Simmons managed to get away while employees at Taylor Oil called the police. Unfortunately, they couldn't stop Simmons from reaching his third stop, Sinclair Minimart. With ruthless efficiency, Simmons shot and wounded two employees, Ronaldo Woolery and David Sawyer, who both survived. They too phoned the authorities, but Simmons was long gone before they arrived. At last, Simmons reached his final stop at Woodline Motor Freight, a trucking company he used to work at. He was there for his ex-supervisor, Joyce Butts. 
The moment he spotted her, Simmons shot Butts in the head and the chest, leaving her critically injured. With that, Simmons decided to end his rampage. He held a secretary at gunpoint and forced her to call the police while mumbling, I just wanted to kill Joyce, just Joyce. He waited patiently for the authorities to arrive at Woodline Motor. As soon as he was surrounded, Simmons handed over his weapon and surrendered. He told officers, I've gotten everybody who wanted to hurt me. Little did police know, he wasn't just talking about those he'd killed that day. Investigators booked Simmons at Polk County Detention Center and tried to phone his family with the news. When there was no answer at his home, authorities took a trip to Dover, Arkansas, a 15-minute drive away. The remote cinder block home was in the middle of nowhere. There was no indoor plumbing, and none of the Simmons family members were in sight, until police examined closer. There, under the family Christmas tree, was Simmons' 24-year-old daughter, Sheila, along with her 33-year-old husband, Dennis, Simmons' 22-year-old son, Billy, and his wife, 21-year-old Renata. All of them had been dead, rotting under the pine for days. Tucked into bed in another room was Sheila's six-year-old daughter, Sylvia. When investigators returned the following day, they found the bodies of nine other family members. Simmons' wife, 46-year-old Becky, and his kids, 29-year-old Jean, 14-year-old Eddie, 17-year-old Loretta, 11-year-old Marianne, 8-year-old Rebecca, and 3-year-old Barbara. They also found the bodies of Michael and Trey, Simmons' grandsons, both under the age of two. Evidence suggested that Simmons' wife and son were bludgeoned or shot on December 22nd, six days before his second killing spree. That same day, he'd also strangled and drowned each of his children after they arrived home from school for winter break. The family members found under the tree had been killed on the night of December 26th. They were invited over for an after-Christmas dinner. In a single week, Simmons had killed 16 people, 14 of them his own family members. It was the largest familial massacre in American history. Coming up, we'll look at the motivations for Simmons' crimes. Now, back to the story. On December 28, 1987, Ronald Gene Simmons went on a killing spree that left four injured and two dead. When police investigated his home, they discovered 14 more bodies, all of whom were Simmons' family members. Many felt that Simmons' rampages were caused by a potent cocktail of jealousy and misogyny. His crimes dated back to 1978, when Simmons began sexually assaulting his 15-year-old daughter, Sheila. At the time, the family was living in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. When Sheila got pregnant, her teachers suspected Simmons was to blame. When they alerted the Department of Human Services, Simmons and his family fled New Mexico and relocated to Arkansas before he could be investigated. 
There in Dover, Sheila gave birth to Simmons' child. The family lived on a 13-acre plot of land that kept them from the world's prying eyes. There was no one to stop Simmons from abusing his seven children and treating them like a small army, forcing them to do dangerous manual labor around the house. This included digging a four-foot ditch that would inevitably become their grave. By 1987, his adult children had left the home to start their own lives. That included Sheila, who had married and taken her child with her. But for reasons unknown, they kept in contact with Simmons, returning home for events and holidays. Still, it was clear that many of the family members were unhappy with Simmons. Just a few days before her murder, Simmons' wife, Becky, drafted a letter to their son, Billy. Becky wrote, I don't want to live the rest of my life with dad. I am a prisoner here, the kids too. Every time I think of freedom, I want out as soon as possible. It's not known for sure, but her words may have triggered Simmons' rampage. After his arrest, Simmons was examined by a psychiatrist at Arkansas State Hospital. Doctors reported that he was sane and capable of standing trial. On May 12, 1988, Simmons faced the court and was found guilty of killing Kathy Kendrick and Jim Chaffin. He was sentenced to death by lethal injection and begged the court that no one delay this very correct and proper death sentence. Unfortunately for Simmons, he'd have to wait another year to go on trial for the deaths of his family. In February of 1989, he was again found guilty on 14 counts of murder and sentenced to lethal injection. At his last hearing, he told the court, In my particular case, anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment. He sat in prison for another year before his request came to pass. On June 25, 1990, Ronald Gene Simmons was the first man in Arkansas to receive the death penalty through lethal injection. No one claimed his body for a proper burial. He now wastes away in a potter's field. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Lori Gottlieb, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.